0: Hello, and welcome to Book Club of One. I am Jacob, a librarian, and through the course of a year, I read a lot of books. Join me as I detail and share my impressions of the books that have entertained or educated me the most. Still working through Oathbringer, but have passed the halfway point, and I'm also making my way through the NetGalley Cube hoped to read more new horror for that last October episode, but unfortunately, it didn't happen. So there might be some horror tiles that slip in throughout November and into December. But otherwise, I'm reading from the piles and exploring audiobook options. The big releases for fall 2022 have been uh, out on shelves or in libraries. So I'm hoping to read the latest George Saunders and Lin Ma this month. More on the, the Saunders in the reading soon at the end of the episode. I'm not sure if the next episode will launch in the standard two weeks, as I'll be attending a conference that may delay it, but we'll just see. And if the year and best of lists are already starting to appear, but more will be on the rise over the next month. Don't forget to vote. Papyrus, The Invention of Books in the Ancient World, by Irene Vallejo, a Spanish writer and author. She studied classic philology and completed her doctorate at Zaragoza and Florence Universities. Her thesis was on the Greco-Latin canon, And she has also written two novels, three volumes of short stories, essays and articles, and two children's books. She is a regular columnist for El LP and Geraldo de Aragon. Papyrus was awarded the National Essay Prize and the Critical Eye Prize for Narrative in Spain. It was translated into English by Charlotte Whittle, who is an American professor, editor and translator. She teaches literary translation at Brooklyn College. And she serves as editor at Cardboard House Press. Her writing and translations have appeared in the Literary Review, LA Times, Guernica, Electric Language, Baum, the Paris Review, and elsewhere. Her translation of Jorge Comensal's The Mutations, published in 2019, earned the Society of Authors First Translation Prize. I came across Papyrus, but by browsing through NetGalley, but it is now available through my local library. Papyrus is focused on the time long before books were mass-produced. Those made of reeds from along the Nile were worth fighting and dying for. Journeying along the battlefields of Alexander the Great beneath the eruptions of Mount Vesuvius, at Cleopatra's palaces and the scenes of Hypatia's murder, award-winning author Irene Vallejo chronicles the excitement of literary culture in the ancient world, and the heroic efforts that ensured this extraordinary tradition would continue. Weave throughout our fascinating stories about the spies, scribes, illuminators, librarians, booksellers, authors, and statesmen, whose rich and sometimes complicated engagement with the written word bears remarkable similarities to the world's today. That condensed from the official description on Goodreads. So this one is definitely a title for a lover of books in the ancient world, or both it is lively, detailed, tangent-filled exploration of the book in ancient Greece and Rome, with lots of reflections and linkages to contemporary life. Serving as interludes, Vallejo summarizes some works by modern authors like Margaret Atwood, Umberto Eco, or W. G. Sebald, or her memories of visiting libraries as an adult and the child or visits to bookstores with her father. The through-line of all of them, of it is the way information is collected and shared between generations. We see the historical scope from the oral tradition, the development of writing, the invention of papyrus and scrolls, to the development of the book. And this development of the book is set in context alongside the social, political, and cultural shifts. The book is divided into two major sections, half focused on the development of Greece and its literary world, and the other on Rome much of the Greek portion is centered on the Library of Alexandria. As books developed, the way they were engaged with has also changed. Whether Greeks or Romans were more likely to have the works read aloud, we now largely read silently to ourselves. It is an exemplary work that highlights the value of libraries historically as they have provided repositories of information, particularly in the face of the natural or human disasters. From part two, Chapter 48. Quote, in different eras, we have experimented with books of smoke, of stone, of earth, of leaves, of reeds, of silk, of animal skin, of rags, of trees, and now of light. The computers and e-books of today, they have taken many shapes, but what's indisputable is the overwhelming success of their discovery. End Veil. Vale, object Lesson. Rafia Zakari is a Pakistani-American attorney, feminist, journalist, and author. She has written for The Nation, Guardian Books, The New Republic, The Baffler, Boston Review, and Al Jazeera. Her most recent publication was 2021's Against White Feminism, a critique of the conventional feminist emphasis on the experience of white women to the exclusion of women of color. This is part of a series and is co-edited by Christopher Schauberg the Dorothy Harrell Brown Distinguished Professor of English at Loyola University and author of five books. He is the founding co-editor of the book series Object Lessons, alongside Ian Bogost, an American academic and video game designer. He holds a joint professorship at Washington University and McKelvey School of Engineering. He is the other co-founder and editor. I found this one through my local library. Object Lessons are a series of concise books about the hidden lives of ordinary things. Each book is about 25,000 words focused on a specific material object, and Veil, Zakaria, blends memoir with philosophical investigations to question if the veil is a tool of servility, empowerment, both or neither. So this is the first of the series that we'll likely speak more of as this year winds down. All of the books are short but thoughtful investigations. I've recently read the bread volume and have one on socks that just arrived. Here, Zakaria shares her personal history of not and then wearing a veil for the first time at her wear- wedding. From page six, quote, I hope to reveal not only some incipient truth about the veil itself, but rather its multidimensionality, not simply as the moral or political indicator to which it is relegated, but rather as a facet of life that transforms and reforms during its course, end quote. Zakaria gives an overview of the veil's history, summarizing many of the arguments and viewpoints on the topic of wearing the veil. She also discusses varying laws of social expectations of wearing it based on personal experience in France and Iran. How does one define their faith? Does it need to be something readily and visibly apparent to all? Or can you practice your faith in private? We return fighting, World War I and the shaping of modern Black identity. It was edited by Kinshasa holman Conwell, an American music director, arts and management consultant, and author. At the time this book was published, she was the deputy director of the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture. I'm not sure where exactly I first heard of this book, but at some point in July 2020, it made it to my reading list, possibly recommended from my readings of 400 Souls or another book in the subject area. We return Fighting is a work that highlights the contributions of African Americans to the United States efforts in World War I. So it explores those by, uh, unsurprisingly, its basis with the Smithsonian through objects and histories of individuals and these artifacts. But it, while centered around World War I, it is focused on the American experience throughout the 20th century, as World War I is often seen as a pivotal moment for us culturally. Uh, And it, Places many of the latter themes that 20th century historians have explored more fully. So we see the end, well, with the Jim Crow still in existence, but more resistance to it. Some people argue that World War I is, and its aftermath, is the birth of the civil rights movement. But many of the themes in this book are across American culture as a whole. So there's the Great Migration, which is. Uh, African-Americans moving out of the South into the North to take up jobs in manufacturing and manufacturing in other places, escaping the life as sharecroppers or lack of opportunity in the South to make new homes in the North, though still facing lots of racism and challenges. One of the particular uh, points covered is the Red Summer 1919. When there was a lot of pushback and rioting against supposed communist plots but a lot of it was also racial violence leading to riots in many cities and it sets the uh, stage for what would become the worst of them which is the tulsa 1921 riot we've explored through other episodes and other works but this is an excellent introduction to the african-american experience at the beginning of the 20th century and introduces the reader to many of the important personalities and their histories and accomplishments. Saga is by Brian K. Vaughn, an American comic book and television writer. He is best known for this series, Saga, as well as Why the Last Man, Runaways, and Paper Girls. He was a writer, story editor, and producer for the television series Lost for seasons 3 to 5. He has worked on numerous comic series and titles for DC, Marvel, Image, Dark Horse, and other publishers. His writing has earned 14 Eisner Awards, 14 Harvey Awards, and a Hugo Award, many of them for this series. Fiona Staples is a Canadian comic book artist. She has worked for Marvel, DC, and Image Comics and other publishers. Her work has been honored with numerous awards, including Eisner, Harvey, Inkwell, and Joe Schuster Awards. Again, many of them for this series. She is co-owner of Saga and designed the cast ships and alien races in the story. So I saw this uh, initially as a title ordered for a graphic novel collection I was involved in shaping after numerous recommendations. Saga is a space opera fantasy that will break your heart. It is focused on Alana and Marco, a couple from opposing sides of a long warring extraterrestrial races and their daughter Hazel as they struggle to be a family as some of the most wanted people in the galaxy. So this has been described in various ways, but a comparison that frequently comes up is Star Wars meets Game of Thrones. We follow one family as they bounce from planet to planet, making new friends or dodging old enemies. It's definitely intended for adult readers, as the violence is graphic and at times shocking. But it also starts with the birth of our narrator, Hazel, which in volume one, collecting the first six issues, as we've said many times about graphic novels, does what most volume ones do, introduce the characters and establish our setting and the stakes. Here the setting is a lot looser than other series as more important is to take note of the different empires and peoples, noting their allegiances and priorities. Like The Walking Dead, we're in for a longer scope with the story. We will see these people grow and change as their characters grow and adapt to their current circumstances. Also, seeing a long scale of their past. If you're inc- a curious of this series, it's very easy to find free previews of at least the first issue online. But there are also compendium issues of this series available, where you can read multiple story arcs in a single volume. This is definitely one that will encourage binging. Reading soon in progress. Liberation Day stories by George Saunders from the publisher Penguin Random House. With his trademark prose, wickedly funny, unsentimental, and exquisitely tuned, Saunders continues to challenge and surprise. Here's a collection of prismatic resonant stories that encompass joy and despair, oppression and revolution, bizarre fantasy and brutal reality. Love Letter is a tender missive from a grandfather to a grandson, in the midst of a dystopian political situation in the not-too-distant, all-too-believable future, that reminds us of our obligation to our ideals, ourselves, and one another. Ghoul is set in a hell-themed section of an underground amusement park in Colorado and follows the exploits of a lonely, morally complex character named Brian, who comes to question everything he takes for granted about his reality. In Mother's Day, two women who love the same man come to an existential reckoning in the middle of a hailstorm. In Elliot Spencer, our 89-year-old protagonist finds himself brainwashed, his memories scraped, a victim of a scheme in which poor, vulnerable people are reprogrammed and deployed as political protesters. And my house, in a mere seven pages, comes to terms with the haunting nature of unfulfilled dreams and the inevitability of decay. Together, these nine subversive, profound, and essential stories coalesce into a case for viewing the world with the same generosity and clear eyed attention Saunders does, even in the most absurd of circumstances. This has been another episode of Book Club of One. Thank you for listening. I welcome constructive criticism and book recommendations, or even if you found a book through this episode and want to share the story, feel free to reach out through Instagram and Gmail at book Club of Uno. Book Club of One is recorded and distributed by anchor.fm. And remember, no one should be shamed for reading.